I mean, he does have a tiara, a mood ring, a special locket. He has, he hates his parents and has a diary and an extremely unhealthy infatuation with a famous teenage boy. <laughs> it all fits together. <laughs> How you doing, everybody? Welcome to Contagious Curiosity with Kat and Lainey. I'm Lainey. And I'm Kat. And you know what? You guys are going to be very blunt with you. Um... We are figuring this shit out, you know? We are doing it from scratch with no real prior knowledge to how to do a podcast, how to record, how to edit, you know, any of that very well. And we experience technical difficulties here and there, so this is the second time. Including, like, ten ten minutes of what, silence? Was it ten minutes of silence in one of our... Oh god, yeah, one of our like first or second episode where like we just completely t- didn't edit out when I went to the bathroom so it was just 10 minutes of dead air. <laughs> <laughs> or my my personal favorite is actually um now the the nostalgia trivia episode we did because our scorekeeping ability is so horrifically terrible. <laughs> Did we just stop keeping track at some point? I'm pretty sure. And then, uh, yeah, I, it was bad. I, I answered two questions correctly. And then, like, we had a disagreement about it. And I started making fun of you for not being able to keep score properly. But I was the one that didn't keep score properly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so classic for us anyway. Oh, it's ridiculous. So, basically, we're human. We're figuring this out. And if you guys are listening to us, I'd like to pat yourselves on the back, you know, because you're still here. (laughs) Sure, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And on top of all of that, um, so I usually focus on the editing. And so I'll take ownership of that. Um, But I will admit that up until recently, I was working at a job where it was pretty heavy-duty hours, and it was all overnights. And when I would come home during the day, it would be a combination of sleeping, uh, um, you know, life things, and, you know, and just fighting exhaustion if I had to stay up and do things. And so, you know, five days goes by pretty quickly when you're working 12-hour overnights and you're upwards of 60 hours. And so this is something I, I was trying to really focus my energy into. But when that job, at the end of the day, when I'd have to come home and start working on things, it was... It started to take a toll, but not only that, but because summer is here. And so, you know, spring cleaning mm-hmm. and the gardening and all of these things in the wintertime, you know, honestly, up here in Maine, it's it's inside life. But there was so much to do in the month of May alone, like for me, that um, I got a little distracted with a lot of things. So I do apologize for that. But there is some good news. Um, I'm starting a new job, um, which Yay. is going to bring me back to reality. And it's day hours and it's pretty much banking, banking hours. And so Lainey and I are going to be able to put a best our best foot forward from here on out especially myself um in regards to our editing and paying attention to things Absolutely. if any of you have any suggestions on um recording software or anything pertaining to uh 
Well, you know, podcasts and um, good references and, and good sites to explore, we'd be happy to hear them because right now, currently, we are using Audacity and it has its moments. This episode that we're bringing to you was actually supposed to be uploaded on Friday, but the file that I had created was corrupted. So, mm-hmm. you gotta just, love it. You love to w- see it. One thing after another. I swear, every time we went to go record, like one day it was it was it was a thunderstorm and we were lagging terribly, and that was oh one god, of the, yeah, that episode, that awkward the exchange idioms. back and forth. It was at the oh, idioms. Geez. That was the idioms. But um, I think we're back on track now. Um, we have a solid plan for the future. We're going to continue on our current path and just enjoy everything sure. that we do and not lose the fun in it. Exactly, exactly. That is the most important thing because obviously we want to give you guys high quality content. We want to give you, you know, the what we envision in our hearts and souls of, you know, the show that we want to create and the types of the way we want to present it to you. You know, we got to we got to cross some hurdles until we can get there fully. So we are we do want to give you the best we can. And so we are trying every single week to, you know, be better than we were the week before. And yeah, it's but the most important thing is still keeping the fun in it, making sure we're having a good time, making sure you're having a good time. And if you can laugh at us, then great, we made you laugh and we did our job. <laughs> yeah, honestly, honestly, we're not we're not expecting, you know... You can laugh with us or laugh at us. Really, we don't care as long as you're laughing. As long as you're laughing. We're not expecting, like, <laughs> perfection right from the get-go. There's obviously a learning curve. And to me, personally, I think learning curves and the awkward state of getting to a, a solid run um, is kind of the most fun part in regards to these types of things. It's learning, um, you know. I don't yeah. know. So, yeah. So, just wanted to give you that, that heads up. So, sorry when things aren't posted on the days that we usually promise. Um, but um, pretty soon here, we'll have everything back in order. Yeah. it's we're, we're getting there. You can probably hear my cat freaking out in the background again because he's an asshole. Uh, I love him so much, but my God. <laughs> so sorry. Just uh, trying to get him to stop there. That's fine. Yeah, I, can't, we, um, I can't hear the puppy at all. I can't hear the puppy either. She seems to be uh, relaxing. So, yeah, even more life changes or adding more life into the family. Cat just got a puppy. She's adorable. A chewini. A chewini. Oh, she is so cute. Yeah. And my big old, um, my big old pity mastiff mix is in Mm -hmm. love with her. He's in love with her. Their interactions are adorable. I think that's why she's quiet out there. She's gotten quite attached to me, obviously, as we're bonding. Um, so leaving her alone, she's she's very whiny, but I don't hear anything. And we were having this problem right before we started recording, so I think my pity got a hold of her in, in a good way. Yay. And, uh, yeah. you know, loved the shit out of her. Oh, I'm so happy for, for all of you guys. <laughs> So you might be wondering what we're doing for an episode, and we're going to tell you. So here it is. We we are covering fiber arts this week, which is something that is very near and dear to our souls and has been a part of our life for a long time. Cat, way more than myself, but it was a huge bonding experience for Cat and I when we got back together. Um, you know, when I was in high school and we started hanging out a whole lot more as adults instead of like mentor and mentee, but we were more equals at this time and spent a lot of time, you know, 
spinning yarn and dyeing wool and just doing all of these really incredible things that there's such a huge and vibrant world of fiber arts crafts and that can mean so many different things to so many different people depending on what they do with their fiber arts and so we just want to want to talk about it a little bit with you guys and exp explore you know cat's experience with it and um just a, a little bit of the history of yarn and everything else and things that have inspired her so yeah, we're, we're really excited about covering this again and maybe doing it even a little more justice than we did the first time. Yeah, I mean, I, re I really enjoyed when we talked about it last time because it, I don't know, it was nice to think of all the memories, especially when you're digging into the vaults and I'm thinking about when mm -hmm. you and I first started hanging out, as you said, and you know, that was, that was when we started to really grow together as a family and you helped to challenge a lot of my creative ideas and I always felt so motivated. And it was actually when I realized that I really enjoy making things with other people. I work really well in a group or with a buddy in a buddy system. Um, so yeah. that I can, like I said, have those views and have my own creativity challenged. And, you know, I don't know. It was, it was just very inspiring to go from working by myself in a little room to having somebody go, Oh, what's this? Oh, what's that? Will you show me how to do this? And then I just felt excited, like excited and motivated myself. Yeah, absolutely. I love creating with other people. In fact, I do much better work when I'm surrounded and inspired by other people at the same time. I can get so distracted if I'm by myself, you know, and just like become well, disinterested. Precisely. But learning something, especially something that was so new to me. I had never seen probably outside of the common ground fair, somebody spin, um, wool before, let alone art yarn, which is what you, your primary, like primarily did with your, what my medium was. was. Yeah. And so it was so just captivating to me and it, I, it was such a new experience. And so being able to have like almost learning along with you, but you be teaching me how to do all of it. It was just really, really, really cool. And so before we get too far into it, why don't we talk about our drinks really quick? Yeah. And then because this is just such a topic that we can like back, you know, piggyback from, from each other and the conversation can go on for two hours. And we well, that's we exactly really what happened last anything. time. I think we were like, we were like 20 minutes into it. And Lainey was like, oh, our drinks. Yeah. Hey, and by the way. <laughs> so I guess. So, uh, so for this week, what I've made, I've made this a couple times because I just, I love it. I drank it on my own now because it's, it's magical and beautiful and just, I really enjoy it. It's called, um, a galaxy lemonade and it's color changing because of the reaction that one of the ingredients, which is butterfly pea tea and it's, um, butterfly pea flowers that are these bright or like not, they're not really bright, but they're very vibrant blue. And when you steep them in hot water and turn it into a tea, it creates a very dark, like indigo, um, blue mm. tea. And when the, it reacts with acidic, um, ingredients. So like the lemonade, it turns to a very vibrant purple and then a light pink. And it's extremely gorgeous to watch. It's so and neat. it's really cool. It is. It's science and art in a glass all at once. And it's just, it's delicious. And just, oh, I love it. So what I use is um, I use vodka and I put about four jiggers of vodka in. And then I crush up some um, butterfly pea tea ice cubes that I made. So those will eventually melt and the color changing happens more um, as you go through it. And so it, there, I also made a simple syrup that was out of the butterfly PT and honey and 
put that at the bottom and kind of pour on freshly squeezed lemonade on top of that and a little bit i like to add um seltzer just to give it a little bit of bubbles and so once you pour a little panache yeah so once you pour the lemonade into it it turns that that beautiful blue into this really beautiful purple and then pink and yeah i'm excited you guys check it out on instagram it's really really pretty it is very pretty um me on the other hand i went non-alcoholic um, I was looking at, I, first of all, lemonade is something that I absolutely enjoy making throughout the summer anyways. And so I made with this jar, I found, um, at Goodwill, um, the little spout at the bottom. Um, I piled in all these ice cubes and very, very thin lemon wedges all the way through. Um, just, you know, also for aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And then yes, on, to- on top of that, um, the actual mixture was just freshly squeezed lemons, um, a little bit of sugar, honestly, and then the rest of it, nice, cold well water that's what mm. i that's what i that's what i finished it up with and i let it sit overnight um and it's my kind of tart i prefer a more tart lemonade over a sweet so i did not add a lot of sugar uh plus i'm trying to take it easy on the sugars anyways so the sugar was really just a courtesy to the beverage um because i don't mind lemon water in that sense ice cold lemon water like that's what i usually mm-hmm. get even when i go out to eat it is good um yeah. but this this was a little bit different but it it was incredibly tart and i loved it um nice yeah and um, that's awesome i love yeah. fresh lemonade but i i'm a sweet kind of person i like mine sweet you do yeah i do well, yeah like, like i need it I, sweet yeah i don't mind not having all the sweetness okay well, before we get um, into the personal details of Kat's experience with art yarn and fiber arts, I just want to give a little bit of a history about yarn, if that's okay. Um, just, I'll allow uh, it. I mean, I'm... Okay. I'll, okay, I'll thank allow you. it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, I am by no means a talented researcher, but I am having fun, you know, like kind of stretching this like different part of my brain into doing more research for the show but i usually appreciate something even more when i learn about like where it comes from Hands or on, how exactly we, exactly like how we got to where we are with it today and everything and so i just you know whatever that person place or thing might be i just i like to know the history of it a little bit more and <laughs> i don't know why that just reminded me of april ludgate from parks and rec hello i'm april ludgate i'm 20 years old i like people places and things things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway anyway (laughs) i love my i want a shirt that says that every time i look at my um my audio track after i laugh it looks hilarious because i have i i never really noticed how much of a disconnected laugh i have i have like a santa laugh that's what it makes me think of like (laughs) and i just have these like solid lines that you can tell are my laughing (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome yours are just yours ho, are ho, giant. hoeing yours are yes, giant huge blo- <laughs> they're huge spikes and they're they're long mm-hmm. <laughs> mine, mine are short big spikes <laughs> yeah my yeah mine is you usually can tell because it's just like a, a spike like up past to the charts of just my ha <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways so anyways sorry anyway so the first evidence of yarn being used dates back to 7,000 years ago um, to about 5,000 BC. And it could, although it could go way back, but that's just, you know, way further back than that. That's just the first evidence that we have found of it so far. 
So natural fibers like cotton, flax, silk, and wool were what was most available to ancient civilizations. Bits of plain weave linen fabric, bundles of flax fibers, and yarn were found near Robenhausen, Switzerland. Yarn is used to make different textiles using a variety of processes, including weaving, knitting, felting, all things that we see in our everyday life. And even though it might not be what some immediately think of when they hear the, the word art, clothing has been used as a form of self-expression since its inception, really. Even with, you know, cloth, little loincloths and things, there would be, depending on what kind of animal, what kind of, you know, leather was used, different little bits of, you know, embellishments and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. And so cloth was and is used to convey many unspoken things upon first glance and yarn eventually got to become a part of that equation. As the development of yarn grew, so did its uses. Wall tapestries and rugs were eventually woven from yarn and wall tapestries actually have a really fascinating history. Or it could just be fascinating to the, to a history nerd like myself. But <laughs> uh, actually, there's a huge wealth of information to learn about them, um, which is another thing I love about this podcast. Like, the, I'll go and research like the things that we're learning, unrelated. Yeah, and then find like this. I'll go into a huge rabbit hole of something that it just happened to you know stumble upon. It's it's really cool. I love it. I do enjoy. I do enjoy the idea that tapestries. I mean, they're they're picture books, and just think yeah. how long it takes to weave, oh and especially weave in such intricate, like intricate manner. So many. We're not details. we're not we're not talking about a standard, you know, your standard plaids or your standard like patterns. Yeah. Like, these these are these are facial features and whole bodies, and exactly. like it's fa- it's fascinating. It's, it's whole to watch. scenes being depicted. Yeah. If and, you haven't seen or looked at any ancient tapestries, I really highly suggest looking them up. Like, right now, like pick up your phone and look that, at that. Right now, that or look at, or just take <laughs> take a look at some floor uh, floor looms. Like mm-hmm. honestly, they have not changed that much over the years. They've just gotten smaller, and you can put them on the table. Like you can you can have a more tabletop weaving uh, apparatus now. Mm-hmm. But floor looms are monstrous desk like just contraptions with all of these screens that get lifted up and so they can have upwards of like a dozen or more screens and they're all controlled by these foot pedals and when you hit the foot pedal a screen lifts up and that's when you can throw your shuttle through which carries the thread of the thread or the color at that point and you know, you just—it's like a piano in that sense. You got you, you press on the pedal over Your here, and it lifts up and it closes, and it's be. up and down and up and down. It's fascinating. It looks like a dance, honestly. It if you is. if you ever watch people who are really talented or have been doing weaving for a long time, it it is such a whole body like um, in tune kind of thing where you just—it's it, really fascinating to watch and to be able to recognize you know this little thing that I do right here and what that's going to mean for the bigger picture because I have a really hard time with that I have a hard time of of relating what little movements in, like even with knitting and crocheting of like what little movement I'm doing right here and how because of the way I moved my needle this is going to affect you know the outcome and the the grand picture it's, it's hard for me to be able to do that so it's always fascinating to see mm-hmm. people who can like especially you when you knit you know without any instructions and you just know what you're creating because you're able to see it the end product you know before while you're in the middle of doing it i can't do that i you need know, to be told what i will to do when it i will to say i will say that that skill that you're talking about that skill was definitely learned it was definitely learned and i fine-tuned it with drawing 
I mm. would, I, when I, I started That's drawing in fourth grade, I remember actually sitting in class and, um, I couldn't draw. I was, I went from drawing stick people to and like two years later drawing like portraits of, of my nephews and my nieces. And, um, well, they're like second cousins, but in our family, we just, we just say nieces and nephews, but, uh, um, yeah. uh, I remember sitting in class with a drawing paper and looking up and I can actually see it in fourth grade. I can see it right now. The classroom. It's amazing. And I remember seeing the door and the clock and, you know, the bulletin board and the corner of the room and the chalkboard. And I focused in on perspective and I started drawing what I could see in front of me. Um, and because of that, it really did fine tune the skill of being able to see some, see the end product before you even started with something, you know, you're drawing, drawing from visual. And so when I was knitting or crocheting or weaving or doing any of these things, I constantly, which could be a curse in a way, because it sometimes you'd have to take some things apart all the time when I'd be like, Oh, it wasn't what I imagined or, Oh, this wasn't the right yarn to do for this project. But the entire time I would just have this image in my head of this is what it's supposed to be. And this is what I'm working towards. And most of the time when just like Bob Ross, I made happy little accidents and they would stick in mm-hmm. his, you know, you just kind of go. With and those were flow. some of my favorite parts when you would show me like something that you had just created. I'd be like, it'd be one of the first things that I would catch and be like, I love this little thing that you did right <laughs> you here. You're like, this little that piece, was you a complete fucking right mistake. Yeah. It's true. You used to do that all the time. You used to like grab something of mine and then like hone in on like, uh, like a two inch by two inch section and be like, "That's the one." That's the spot. I like that spot. <laughs> yes. I don't know why? Like I'll find little pits and I'm like, mm, mm-hmm, mm, "This is what makes it quality." And you just stare at it for a little while. You just stare at it. Sometimes you. you Oh my god, so like much Aziz fun. Ansari would it also in Parks and Rec when he's just like, I've looked at it for two hours. <laughs> it's gorgeous. <laughs> the, it was it, um, what was it? It was the, the abstract piece of art that like, he had painted. <laughs> That's just, like, right. The most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. And it's all these just circles and shapes. Look at the, yes. this, the circles and the, and the, and the shapes. And the Can't triangle. you see this? The shapes. <laughs> Oh, so good. Oh, did you finish? Did you, oh, did you finish? No. Your, I'm sorry, because we, no. we go off on tangents. If you're listening, that's, you know, you yeah, always know fine. this. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you get you get the fuck used to it, that's for sure. You get the fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, um, like like I was saying before, just definitely check out Ancient Tapestries. You're really, you're, you're going to be surprised, especially because they're just, they're giant pieces of art that can be just as detailed, if not more in some cases, as paintings. And like we were saying, that to be able to do that is because, of, you know, knowing how it's going to look at the end and being able to like shoot your, your shuttle through at the perfect time, just mm, 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 mwah, mwah. And uh, they they can depict everything from war victories to religious stories to family history. They um, and they the family history tapestries also are my favorite. Yeah, that would be really cool to have. Like, a, I would love to have like a family crest tapestry, especially down for like because a lot of times tapestry what they were used for was to keep rooms warm because before insulation and things like that, you know, you put up a tapestry to keep make sure that wind doesn't blow through on a cold winter day through you know the rocks or whatever the wood or whatever your brick that um your house is made of and usually you had to have pretty good money you know to mm-hmm. have a tapestry especially if it was going to be detailed with something like a family history you know, you're definitely you're gonna you're gonna have money to get that yes, but yes. tapestries became you know, like i was just oh i had it written down here too 
just getting ahead of myself. Tapestries became status symbols amongst um, the aristocracy of the Middle Ages. And so they had just as much practical use providing insulation for castle walls and covering openings and giving privacy around beds. Kings and nobles took them on in their travels from castle to castle for reasons of comfort and prestige. So it was just another way to be like, look how big my, my dick is. Look at my tapestry. <laughs> I, wish, I wish we showed that we had that kind of... Uh, um, are you talking about... So another, another show reference, like Shit's Creek, when he has the giant painting of the family. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> I thought you'd like it. <laughs> oh, God. Because of uh, yarn's versatility, it is still used all over the world in grand amounts. Among almost 8 billion pounds of spun yarn was produced in the United States in 1995. 8 billion pounds. That is, that's an insane amount of yarn. Oh, it's just a little. Just a little bit of yarn. What's even crazier about that is 40% was being produced in just North Carolina alone. So United States uh, well, is just like North Carolina is all about. That I yarn. can I can see that I can see that as somebody who has been in the industry for a while now and have I have found some some wonderful underground resources for some like um some woolen mill like most woolen mills mm-hmm. uh, there are a tremendous amount of woolen mills in the south I mean it's it, it was it, it's 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 a whole industry it's it's a thriving industry I mean everybody textiles are never going to go away we will always need yeah. thread and yarn and it's not just the yarn it's the thread you know we we need it all and if you've ever seen how a woolen mill works and how they actually pull all that in from raw and process it entirely and then they send it out in cones it's quite remarkable so i could see the carolinas uh having made that kind of mark because they also have some of the most popular like sheep and wool festivals apart from some of the northeast ones like we have you know um the connecticut and maryland sheep and wool i don't maryland doesn't count as northeast but uh connecticut sheep and wool festival maryland has a sheep and wool festival and there are a lot of like small little festivals around the carolinas in fact a lot of the artists that i know and admire um raleigh raleigh is huge for Mm. um especially textile artists so you know that doesn't surprise me raleigh is it raleigh Raleigh, I, Raleigh. I, Raleigh, Raleigh, you know, it's, it, dep- it depends on where you go. People, I'm sure people, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Worcester and Worcester, you know, yep, like, yep. If, you're, if you're, if you're from the area, you know, it's Worcester, <laughs> but there are so many things I can't say properly because most of the time I focus too much on how I don't want to sound like a Mainer. That yeah. I, yeah. I still end up mispronouncing things. If I just were more casual and a Mainer about it, people wouldn't look at me like I was such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's times where like i i don't pick up on it i i've never had a main accent because nobody in my family other than my like my grandfather had a strong main accent i'm sure there and are Tim tinges has one. there are but tinges. like there's yeah i, I don't know but i Smart. i never i have a hard Smart. time of picking up that somebody does have it until it's pointed out to me and then i'm just like how the fudge did i not realize they have the thickest main accent <laughs> It's very oh, odd, so yeah, I've, I've I've realized it recently that my mother, my mother's from Mass, but you know, she it's 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 between Mass and Maine, so to me it all just kind of blends in at some point, and she has such an accent. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, anyway, so where was I? Oh yeah, so um, North Carolina, forty percent being produced there, crazy amounts. 
Nearly 4 billion pounds of weaving yarn, 3 billion pounds of machine knitting yarn, and 1 billion pound, pounds of carpet and rug yarn were produced in the United States in 1995. And the U.S. textile industry, textile industry employs roughly around 530,000 workers and, consu and consumes around 16 billion pounds of mill fiber um, per year. And that is as of 2022. So that's insane. That's a, that's a, it's a huge industry. That's a big number. Which is awesome. And yarn has been used for making what at least I consider art since it was invented. But at the very recently, the uh, uh, yeah, very recently the yarn itself had never been. Un wow, my words are doing very well. Until very recently, the yarn itself had never been considered to be a piece of artwork itself. Thanks to some incredibly innovative and beautiful minds, of course, on the internet as well, mm. um, our perception of yarn has started to change pretty rapidly. And I know you said that, um, you know, art yarn itself didn't used to have a very big following, you know, when you first started out and now it's starting to grow. But it is still pretty, a small niche, you know... I suppose if you're not if if you're not thinking about it, you wouldn't you don't see it as much as you think you might see it. So you're right. Yeah. So it is pretty niche to me. Of course, it's like the center of the universe, um, because I see it everywhere. I mean, I'm but you've didn't over do here. it. I, I look over here and I have a giant bag staring me in the face of all my art. You know, like 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 just that I've made. Do you, do you see this bag? I know you guys can't see it, but oh my god, yeah. Do you remember this yeah. bag? And so, I like, do. It is the center of my universe, but you're starting to see it a little bit more um, in fashion. You see it a little bit more on TV. Uh, you see it in little areas of advertising, but it's still not... If, you, if you're not paying attention, you, you, you don't care what it is necessarily or whatnot. So, yeah, um, I would say that it's still actually quite niche until you start looking for it and then you realize, oh, my God this is huge. Mm. It's, it's kind of and one of those types of things. So you might be wondering why and how art, I mean, yarn could be considered art and it is a deep and beautiful, glorious wormhole that you can find yourself in. If you Google search, even right now, art yarn, it is absolutely incredible and will change your entire outlook on what yarn is meant to be because it ba art yarn basically breaks all of the boxes and is its own gorgeous, beautiful thing that, um, yeah, that, that you should have an appreciation for. So Kat, why don't you kind of explain what we mean by when we talk art yarn and what would that, what does that look like? Well, I suppose if I'm trying to define it, um, I suppose it would be yarn that doesn't have a specific long-term intention like throughout the strand if we're imagining all the way through the yarn you know it's, it's not necessarily designed to be uniform or it's not designed to be one way or another the idea is that it kind of is whatever it's intended to be based on your needs and wants in that moment um it's Different if I sit down at a wheel and I have roving, which I can explain later on what it is, uh, when I have roving and I'm spinning a very uniform and fine yarn that's intended to make a nice sweater, you know, and if you knit at least in that manner of things, you know that the yarn tends to, it has to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect because you're measuring your gauges and you're measure, you're measure, you're doing swatches. You're trying to make sure that the pattern that you see before you that's going to take days, weeks, or months to do um, is 
is going to have everything that it needs. And so knowing what your yarn has and the weight of it and the density of it and the thickness of it is so important for something like that. But with art yarn, you're not thinking ahead. You're thinking, I mean, because I don't get me wrong, because you can still have unintentional things happen when you're creating off the cuff. But, um, or you can still go in with a plan and, and go, I'm going to make the craziest shit that I can possibly think of. You know, and then it turns out to be something quite uniform and, and, and different. It's really, it's it's being able to work with each individual inch and having them be a little different than the inch before. You know, usually there's that. Usually you're not caring about thickness versus the, you know, the thinness of it. You're, 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 you're not thinking about how it's supposed to be. You're just kind of letting it out of you. You know, as you're spinning, you're just grabbing random colors and different textures from different breeds of animals. And you're just kind of feeding them all together. And in the end, you still have something quite workable. You just have to understand that there's a whole world of patterns out there for art yarn versus what you might be used to, mm -hmm. you know, off the shelf. So there's still a whole tremendous amount of possibility for having a super bulky yarn with all these bizarre colors in it. Because believe it or not, you can felt that shit down and use as a handle in one of your projects. There's a lot, or hemming, like, there's a lot of really creative and useful things. I, I used to make rope. I remember Lainey used to sit there and treadle with me. Um, I have a double treadle spinning wheel, which I'm sure we'll talk about too later. Um, and sh she would treadle it and hold it down because the yarn was too big to fit on my wheel. And so I had to go from one room to another to another <laughs> and kind of had to work all these because I wanted to make this giant, beautiful yarn made out of like an old prom dress of mine. And I, uh, I don't know, it was, it was fun. And so, and something like that, 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 that's just memorabilia for me that's just nostalgia um but it could easily be used in any project you just need a little bit of creativity Maybe open. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the times when you look up art yarn what you're going to see are brightly colored you know very multicolored too not just one solid color yarn that has um oftentimes whoever has spun it has usually dyed it themselves as well and i think the last it time varies, we recorded yeah. this episode we um, we did both agree that I personally, we Kat and I are um, under the impression and we strongly believe that only a human can make art yarn. Because you can go to Michael's, you can go to Walmart, you know, you can go to Joanne's Fabrics and you can find brightly colored yarn there. Of course you can, but it is all uniform. It is made by machine. It is going to basically be even in its you know hecticness if it's trying to be not uniform it's going to be uniform in its way of not being uniform if that mm -hmm. does that make sense of what i'm trying to say like there's it going does. to be a pattern to the hecticness or to you know th that it just it takes that artistic um humanness out of it which i i personally just think that's novelty yarn like we talked about it's it's something that is you know, it might not be, it'll be in the same aisle as standard traditional yarn, but it is still, yeah, I don't see that as art yarn. Yes, it's, it's robotic. Yeah, yeah, it's robotic. I do want to, um, one of, one of my favorites in, in the industry, I actually want to quote her, um, on how she described what art yarn is. And I've actually taken a class, uh, with wool wench and it's wool wench, wool wench exactly as you heard but Susie Brown is the artist behind the brainchild of wool wench and this is a way that she described what art yarn is you are literally constructing your art yarn by layering your design ideas techniques techniques and materials into one cohesive piece artistic expression and the importance of practice 
Your art yarn is an expression of yourself. It is created from the harmony mm. between you, your fiber, and your tools. Yes. It's, it's yes. how beautifully said. And I, because I, it's pretty much took everything that I said in just in a scatterbrained yep. way. And, you know, it's all, it's everything all together and you. And it's how you're feeling in that moment. You're making it. And what Very tool you're so. making it on. Because when you're spinning on a drop spindle versus a spinning wheel, would you say that that's vastly different? Oh my God, it's hugely different. Yeah, it's it's very from the tech, not just the technique you're using and the tools you're using to make it, but, you know, just the way you go about it, the way the speed of which you need to to do it is different. So just everything about it is completely. Yeah, you change one thing and you're changing the whole thing, if that makes sense. Right. But it also like you were saying, it is such a um, the artistic expression of it is really the most important part because the yarn I would spin on your wheel is different from day to day you know I could come in and I'd be super happy and buoyant and you know like flamboyant colors and just super you know big and bulky and then super thin and tight but all one you know skein of yarn and it was very different to days when I would not be feeling myself or be feeling kind of low and then you know might do more natural and earthy tones less of the dyed wool more of the natural fibers and you know things like that so it's really it really was therapeutic in different ways and very self helped also like it was it was a way to see how i was feeling on the inside in front of me in my hands to be like okay i'm looking at this ball of yarn i made i know what i was feeling when i made this yeah really well that's just you i feel that's how that's you artistically um Mm. i feel that that's in any in anything that i've ever seen you do you you paint your feelings i'm one of those people i could i can shut it down i I love to paint with my feelings i love to create with my feelings but i i also have these moments when i'm like i i do i do something creative for the intention of doing it like when commissions Commissions are like not even just like I've done drawing commissions before where I feel completely uninspired by something, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I'm going to do this. And so I'm able to still do it, but there's no joy. There's no, but the job is done. Does that make sense? And yes, so yes. you've always been one of those people who, and I don't want anybody to get offended by this, but like you, you create with integrity, like you create true to yourself. Like you don't like, I feel like if somebody asked you to do a commission of some sort, you'd probably do it, but it would still be very laney. It would still yeah, be, yeah. like, you wouldn't be able to have absence of self in anything that you do, because that's just how you make. And I, I've always mm-hmm. admired that about you. And so, yeah, you can see what you're creating right there on the surface. Um, I've always liked that about you. I always appreciate appreciated you. Appreciates that about it you, is- Laney. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can be difficult that was that was difficult in like different art classes that i did when especially if there was just like uh, photography classes and college tours like this is the mood you're trying to get and I'm like, <laughs> but that's not the mood i'm feeling so oh, i'm sure you could i'm sure you did great though i'm sure you did great like but, oh like, yeah no i, I never like, i, I, I can't imagine get... you enjoying it yeah all. like yeah. so yeah you can't you know you're just like well here's this thing that you made me do that's what I imagine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> did you want pizzazz? There's no pizzazz. Sorry. <laughs> did, you want, did you want pizzazz? <laughs> <laughs> but I will so say... Here, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, no, no. no. Oh. I was going to go into another question. So please oh, perfect. Continue. Yeah, just to finish out this bit, though, I just want to say that when you would also spin yarn... Um, and you started with, like, the super bulky yarns. I remember, like, your first couple of yarns were... S- 
you couldn't do anything with them. Like, I yeah, think oh I, yeah, no, they were giant. I crocheted one into a hat, I think. <laughs> but that was because like I I was able to like make that work. But I remember watching you spin yarn, and then also try and learn how to crochet all at the same time, and then realize what you needed to improve upon. And so each time you went back to the wheel, not only were you doing something super creative and, and like and expressive, but you were also like, okay, well, how can I hone in this new technique? Or can I know that I'm seeing something different in my mind? So you're going in just off the cuff, and you're figuring those little baby steps out. And that's mm-hmm. the be- that's the beauty about fiber and spinning is that you can start someplace and you end up in, in, in the opposite end of the spectrum by the time you're you know five six years down the road or hell a couple months you know it depends on what you're searching for so it was nice to see you to do that you grew you you didn't just make big and thick yarn you you did make very very beautiful yarns i wish that i could have um had pictures that like says this is laney's yarn so i they weren't to, all yeah. blended in so they weren't all blended that would have been the, cool yeah and it, it's funny i because of the type of person i am and the way i learn it was perfect I would have absolutely never gotten into spinning yarn if you hadn't. It would have never been a thing I had ever tried. Not because I dislike it or don't have an interest in it or anything, but it was, it's, I need to have somebody physically with me to help talk to me and teach me. I'm not the type, you are great at reading and watching videos and being able to like get in on that type of stuff and like do it all on your own. I like being able to talk and and learn with somebody else and having it be Mm. like a social thing i and and there's different knitting techniques of course and things i've had to you know look up in books and on youtube and things like that where i'm like oh okay but i got started knitting with my sister-in-law you know i I got started spinning with you I, i started to learn with somebody else and that's how i personally need to learn so it was it was the perfect kind of marriage of you learning also through teaching and like it it was just right i I had you were you were my practice because i was learning all at the same time and trying to i've always wanted to be a teacher in some ways and that was at the beginning of when i decided i wanted to teach and i wanted to actually share this like share what i loved with people and before i started doing workshops and and all of that and so i was able to practice on you as a student um and very non-judgmental environment um it was very helpful i don't think i would have felt as confident going into well i mean i'm a confident person but i don't think i would have felt as confident going into any of those like getting a teaching job in art without a bachelor's degree um all based on just doing what you love and and wanting to share that with people and doing it in in a in a in a cohesive appropriate way it worked out it worked out yeah it really did and i don't know if it was if i was necessarily a good influence or a bad influence but when cat started showing more interest of wanting to do this like full time and you were you were still working at the hair salon at the t- at that point right and so you know cat was starting to have doubts of of working there and doing that kind of line of work and i was just like yes quit your job <laughs> leave your job <laughs> focus on art <laughs> and then we started we uh worked at sugarloaf mountain as photographers for yeah. a winter or two and that's that kind of started I, I got i convinced you to leave your job and focus on photography and yarn and i, I thought mean, it did great honestly for you. i don't know you how could, you felt about it but i was very proud of you you could sell water to a fish it didn't take much it didn't take much <laughs> Um, honestly, oh, uh, but I mean, all, all the things that opened up for you and the things that I don't know, I saw your life change a whole 
lot with the more that you started as soon as you you let as soon as you accepted you know your lord and savior art yarn into your life then oh fiber know, arts started it to was, open up for you it was explosive <laughs> it wasn't just art yarn because i i've gotten to the point that's in, true, in, that's true. because even though i don't maintain a solid business now i do it on the side and i just i have it still surrounds my life and i do it for joy i challenge myself more and more to do more traditional style yarns because in my mind i'm like mm-hmm. that's you know I, i've i've not exhausted any options because you can never just stop learning something, but I'm always like, what's next? What's next? What's next? Um, it was quite an explosive beginning too, because it was, sh- it, it, it was shortly after that I started, you know, I started dying and I was, you know, washing, mm-hmm. I was washing, I was dying. I was spinning, dying I colors, was not, not dying. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> internally dying. Uh, I was, I was, um, weaving and felting, uh, various types of felting, various kinds of weaving. Um, crocheting and knitting I, I was it was incredible it was endless yeah i, fe- I felt it like really it, was great. it was one of those industries where anything was possible so speaking of which um i don't like there wasn't it seemed like there was no fiber arts in your life and then boom all of a sudden it was everything and so how did you how did you fall so you know head first into spinning and, and art yarn and fiber arts in general how did you get into it so that's actually one of, that's one of, I don't have many exciting things that have happened to me, I suppose, but one of the few exciting things I, I, I would call a revelation. And it was shortly in my, shortly after I graduated high school, I had the choice of going to school or, um, you know, working. And so I kind of tried to do like a, a hybrid of both. You know, I went to a, a community college um, and I was working, you know, just simple, me like, minimum wage jobs and I had a goal for myself to start my own artistic business but I never had my thing you know I always like to do I'm a, I, I like to refer to myself as an eclectic artist I kind of like to do a little bit of everything I've paint I've I, I, I've I do fine arts and I paint and I sculpt but I also like to make paper and paper crafts in general um and I did a lot of resin art before that was like a huge thing these days um I, it wasn't fantastic, but it was a learning curve. Once again, I was a poor artist as well. So I, I had all these different <laughs> hobbies and interests and different things I was trying to explore. But with all of that comes money. You know, you have to spend the money to get all of these things. I wasn't just doing one thing. I was trying to do all of these little, just, I was trying to find my light and my home. And so whenever I get frustrated or I couldn't afford the supplies for something else, I would go to crocheting. And I always had like a big box of like, you know, random junk yarn is what I called it. Just yarn that I've had forever or, you know, yarn that was given to me because my aunt actually taught me to crochet when I was about 10. And my grandmother was big into crocheting. She used to make these sculptured um, angels and then like spray them down with like the sugar water so they were like firm and stiff and she would have these big beautiful displays I still have a couple of her doilies in the house and I would just kind of be like okay I want to watch some tv now and I'm gonna crochet and then when I finally would be able to have the money or get the money to get the supplies I I you know go back to a hobby or go back to some kind of interest that I would put everything I had into it and I'm not gonna lie like I, I never really was struck by a lot of like I never felt passionate about a lot of the things that I was doing. I was just happy to learn new skills. So there was mm-hmm. one day 
there was one day I actually went to Michael's. I went to Michael's and I was going to get um, supplies for making jewelry. I had I had already been wire wrapping and trying to hone in on that and um, playing with a lot of uh, metals and trying to do like more of like a fine sculpting with metals without any of the proper equipment. And sometimes the equipment, you know, I was saving up for like four or five hundred dollar pieces of equipment. So it was mm-hmm. not going to come that easily anyway. So nothing was solidified. And I was at Michael's and what's really funny, and this is just how my brain works, is I went there for jewelry making stuff. I bought painting supplies instead. And as I'm cashing out, I notice to the right of me in one of those little bargain bins, um, a book called um, Intertwined. And it's a book by Lexi Bozier of Plucky Fluff. And as I'm... Ooh scrolling through you know these little pages and i'm just flipping them through i'm noticing like some of the most bizarre and unusual like hanks and just balls of yarn and i'm like okay what the hell is this like i love yarn first of all and i'm like like mm-hmm. what what is the point of this book and so i i actually just bought it right out i didn't actually look more than a couple pages and i was like i'm buying this and i got home and i left all of my painting supplies on my desk and i just started going through this book um and I just remember, I, I have this book, and I look at it every once in a while. I just remember feeling excited. Like, I just remember going, like, I, like you know, with, like when you see a crush for the first time, and you're like, oh my god, like, do you see how pretty they are? Yes. I was flipping through pages of this book, Intertwined, like I said, uh, artist Plucky Fluff, and it's Lexi Bozier. She's unbelievable. She's been spinning yarn since the 90s. So, she yeah. is, she's a goddess. Incredibly she's a goddess. Talented. She's a goddess. Um... And I just remember flipping through the pages and I was looking at uh, my partner at the time and I was like, I, I need to do this. And boy, was he supportive, you know, like in general, yeah. he, he yeah. was, he was always, if there was one thing that he always was, and he was a lot of good things, um, he was supportive. And I remember him going, well, listen, if you want to start this new thing, if you want to start this new hobby or this new interest, you know, you're going to, I, I want to make sure that you actually want to do it. Because I don't want to spend all this money, or uh, it was uh, us as the hour, you know, I kind of yeah. thing. It was it was our money. We were together for a few years, and I don't want to spend all the money. He says on something that it's temporary, and so from there, from this book, I remember spending between like six to eight months saving money uh, to buy the equipment necessary to like start making my own yarn, and like researching and studying and like kind of obsessing over like all of all that is art yarn like once again all I did was type it into google and during that period of time that was like 2008 roughly around 2008 um youtube was you know youtube was still not new new but it was still quite new and like the mm-hmm. the how the how to videos and the diy videos like it wasn't as big as it was today and so like there were a handful of people teaching you how to do this. And I met some of the most incredible people this way, actually, because I found them on YouTube, followed them, supported their work. And then whenever they would go to a festival, I would just be like, all right, I got to go down. I want to meet with them. I want to spin yarn with them. And uh, it was an incredible community to dive into. So it was easy to stay into it. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it happened. Nice. So when you first got it started, um, like you're saying, there's basically only books and, and what little YouTube there was at the time. What were the biggest challenges when you first got, got going? Um, money. So mm, yeah. it, 
it was a little bit more difficult then in a, in a way because it wasn't as readily available, like, cer- like certain things weren't readily available, but you had to seek out farmers. Uh, you'd have to seek out local shops. You kind of were forced to network a little bit more. So honestly, I will say that that is what helped me along greatly comparatively to now being able to buy anything at the click of a button. You know, I, I actually had to go out, um, meet a lot of folks in order to save some money. Um, you know, the spinning wheel itself, I have an Ashford country spinner. Um, it was about, so gorgeous. it was about 700 brand new. Um, <clears throat> but I could have gotten, um, a lesser expensive we- uh, wheel or so a, a cheaper wheel, but it wouldn't have done what I wanted it to do. So there was a lot of research that took place into deciding what tool I needed, what wheel I needed. And I wanted to be able to pretty much spin whatever the hell I wanted. So yeah. I, I had to choose a wheel that would allow me to do thick yarn all the way to thin yarn. I didn't want to have to be limited. So um, I chose the wheel that I chose, and it, it was going to cost that much. And on top of that, the fiber, these days it's actually a little bit more. I used to get, I feel like, better deals. But that's because people realize what they have. And in my opinion, our people are, people deserve to get paid what they want to charge for. So, you know, all the power to you. Um but I would have to buy bumps of roving or I'd have to buy raw wool. So I'd have to go to a local farm an hour and a half away. And I um, hung out with the farmers for a little bit. I helped on shearing days and they gave me really great deals on like prime alpaca fleeces. And like oh, every now so and then, awesome. I, it was so nice. Oh, I love the alpaca. smell. Mm, I love the smell. Alpaca too. is so much different than, than wool too. So it's a different smell. Like, cause the wool has that lanolin. It's almost like a, in my opinion, like a sweetness to it, but the alpaca, it's, it's got a clean smell. It's just dusty. There's no mm-hmm. lanolin yeah, oh, to yeah. it. So, um, I do love it though. I love it so much. Um, and it was, yeah. though that was, I mean, it's a testament to you not needing crazy, um, I mean, obviously, you need the wheel. The wheel is is really important. You want to have a good wheel, you know, or so that usually spindle. does spending or drop spindle. But you, you, for the most part, if you want to, if this, you're serious about it, you want to have that is a good tool to have. You know that you want you want to make sure it is well made. You know, works well. But you were washing. You know, you after you would go and shear these animals, and you come back with all of this very raw raw wool. You would just wash it in your regular washing machine in your apartment. Yeah. You know, yeah. you did all of this in your apartment. You dyed everything in your apartment. You know, everything. It, you didn't go out and have to get all of these crazy expensive um, tools and, and things to in order to do it. You used what was available to you and it worked really well. And mm-hmm. so I that that is always difficult, you know, especially when you're talking about money, that the getting started is usually one of the hardest parts, just making sure you have everything that you need. But, you know, the the most important thing is is making sure that you have the right um, tool to be able to spin on and then just getting getting the wool you need. Yeah. Doing With a little bit of creativity and a dash of ingenuity, you can make anything possible when it comes to fiber arts. Yeah. So for somebody that doesn't, you know, say that they don't live near a farm um, where they're able to go and do this, they don't have a whole lot of money starting out, but they really want to want to get started. What's the best way that they can get get either some inexpensive wool or where should they go? Where should somebody go to well to get started? So that's a loaded question. So like, say, for instance, you're in the middle of a city, you know, there are I would say the first stop that you should always go is your local your local yarn shops. 
because even if they, they might, do exist, even if you don't yeah. realize they do, they certainly exist. They are they there. certainly do. There's one here in Portland, Maine, um, that's has a lot of fiber in there. Now, hear me out. So, like, because she, because Lainey said, you know, in regards to not having a lot of money, it does depend. So, like, if you go into a lot of these shops, like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna pay what you pay, and it's going to a, a good local business, and it's still worth every penny. However, you know, you you might not feel like you're getting the same amount of bang for your buck. Um, so what a lot of these shops do have are a network of resources. They have other businesses from around the area. They have business cards. Usually they have lists of farms, um, that you can contact and people who are willing to work with other people. I would say if you're trying to be conserving with your, with your wallet right off the bat, you're going to want to have to accept that you might want to get raw fiber. You're going to have to get raw fiber. You're going to learn how to wash it yourself. You don't have to dye it, but you can dye it relatively also inexpensively and very creatively. Um, and then spin it yourself because if you're going into a shop or you're going online and you're looking at any of these places, and if you're looking for a finished product that you can use, you're going to pay for the work and labor and the materials that went into creating that product. So yep. just keep that in mind. Um, so if you want, if you're thinking of conserving money, always go raw and learn the process from, you know, A to Z. And that's the fun part. Unless you're trying to start a business right now today, you know, I would say go to the bank and ask for a loan. But if you're trying to just kind of slow yourself into this role, learn it the right way. Take your time with it. Enjoy every step and feel inspired by learning something new and go from Absolutely. Scratch. And it is good too, if you, to start with raw when you are first starting off so that, you know... It, you're going to make mistakes. It's going to be difficult. You're going to spin, you know, some yarn, realize that it's not staying together, you, you, that you didn't have the right tension. You're going to have to start all over again. And you're going to be much happier doing and making those mistakes from like raw wool that you didn't spend a whole bunch of money on than you are if you right off the bat go out and buy, you know, really like, you know, expensively dyed or expensively treated wool. Yeah, like it's going to, you're going to make yarn. mistakes. Everybody does. Art yarn comes from these wonderful things, in most cases, called art bats. And hooey! Mm -hmm. Oh, they're just like fluffy pillows from the heavens. So gorgeous. They're, and like, and yeah, and so the art bats are various fibers and colors and textures all blended together on a drum carter. It's pretty much two giant uh, metal, you know, roll, like circular hairbrushes, you know, like working in synchronicity mm -hmm. with one another. And it combs the fiber into a general direction so that as you're pulling it out and drafting it onto the wheel, um, it's more controlled and it, you know, you don't have to worry about plucking so much apart. It's all, it all just kind of just needs to be fed in. And these things, like some people, oh, some of the, some of the things that have, I mean, some of the things that I've made, like that I am proud of, but like the, some of my favorite artists, um, make these just gorgeous, gorgeous colors. Ashley Martineau from Nouveau Fiber Arts right now is working on this amazing, like pastel, like vintage noir kind of palette. Ooh, and I, yeah, I should she, check that out. I haven't yeah, seen it. She has like little bits of like paper, like and like in there, mm -hmm. and all this sparkle and all these beautifully like gentle, soft tones that are just. Mm, she has an eye for color. Always had an eye for color. And so, if I'm going to go ahead and spend the good money that she very well deserves. Um, I, if I'm a, if I'm in the, if I'm a beginner, I'm probably not going to want to play with that. You know, I'm yeah, probably going to yeah. want to save that, you know, or I'm going to like, and that's, and that's okay. Like I have a lot of, I have a lot of amazing little bats and bags that I'm saving for the right occasion or just spin them in public or during the right sunshine. Like cause some of them sparkle. Oh, some of them sparkle. Oh, it's, it definitely, yeah. Use your resources basically. 
you know, yeah. look at don't don't just go on to Amazon or you know go to your local craft store. And by local, I mean I, I meant like big box store, you know, craft stores. There are better options that you can choose, and still supporting local businesses and mom and pop shops and local farms and things like that. Just do some shopping around, and there there are ways definitely to to do it on a budget. So figuring um, this is still I know you talked about how much it's grown since when you even first started about 10 years ago, how much it's grown. But it is it like in relation to, to other things, it's still a relatively small community of people who make and use art yarn. So um, how should somebody go about? I know we just talked about buying it, but how should somebody first start? Like where, if they're listening to this episode and they're like, wow, I'm really interested in spinning specifically, spinning yarn for the first time, where should they go? Who, who should be their, their, uh, their mentor? Well, I will say that if you go on YouTube, you'll find actually a lot of really great uh, starter or what to look for or like if you're looking to begin kind of videos. And I will always, always, always vouch for Ashley Martineau of Nouveau Fiber Arts. All you have to type in is Nouveau, N-E-A-V-E-A-U, Fiber Arts into YouTube. And she has a backlog of videos that span well over a decade decade and then some because like I said I was watching her I believe in like 2008 I believe mm-hmm. so um and she was my distant mentor uh you know I watched a, that's how I figured out the wheel that I wanted that's how I figured out what kind of spinning that I wanted to learn um but mind you that's just that was my jumping off point YouTube is a remarkable resource to find artists who are looking to share this information with you and to get involved in their community a lot of these people aren't just untouchables it's not like you're watching them on a mm-hmm. Hollywood screen a lot of these people are just average joes who just like to who just love this stuff and they want to share this information so um youtube great resource um i would also say if you're looking just to buy equipment and you're not trying to find a specific mentor or like somebody to follow um or you're not trying to find books because once again any bookstore um i know that barnes and noble is actually um has a book um has a few books you know barnes and noble is now considered an independent bookstore is it really yeah thanks amazon (laughs) so ridiculous so support your local indie bookstores but that's hilarious. apparently now yeah. barnes and noble that's apparently <laughs> now is barnes and noble we have bull moose that's our bookstore up here um okay so um i would say if you're looking to get equipment there are places like craigslist people randomly decide to sell off wheels there are facebook mm. groups like facebook um marketplace uh, sorry facebook fiber art marketplaces all you have to do is really type in those keywords just type in the keywords and those groups will pop right up for you and there are people who are selling not only fibers um but equipment all the time like hand carters drum carters spinning wheels um replacement parts people who are just kind of always there for when you need them um so those hey, are and if you've got the resources yeah if you've got the money too you can always uh try and find your local woodworker who well there's can- that that you know have them make it on commission so it's exactly what you want and what you're looking for i mean that is that is like the most expensive probably way to do it however it'd be pretty cool it makes me think of um the olympia spinning wheels um i think i think they're stationed in washington you know don't get me i'm not quite sure but i know that they design this specific kind of wheel that is completely recognizable to anybody who sees it and they always have these beautifully beautifully carved and themed 
wheels. Like, I remember seeing one that was a Lord of the Rings theme that, like, we're talking all the way from, like, the the wooden pieces that they use just to connect up in archways, like, are, are carved and beautiful and everything's custom and painted and, oh. Oh, my but God. They, and they're, they're, they're all, they're, they're one of a kind. So once one wheel is made, they never make the exact same one again. At least that's my, that's my understanding. But there are a lot of new wheels that are coming out that are just absolutely re- revolutionary. Um, and then some classic wheels. It depends on what you want to spin. Now keep that in mind. So just, you want to just keep that. Absolutely. Mind. Yeah, there are, there are so many different options and you have, I love what you've done with your wheel because there is no other wheel in the world like it. It, you, it, it came to you completely unfinished. Your Ashford spinner and it, you have made it your own, made it gorgeous, painted the entire thing and all of these little scenes. And I think we mentioned on the last episode, my favorite part of your wheel are the pedals. I always love those. It's like a mandala, like circle around it. I just, I love it so much. Yeah. I have to repaint those. They're, they're getting pretty rugged. Yeah, with use and stepping on it. I with can sit at a wheel for just hours and hours and hours and hours. There were so many times where days would fly by and just realize that we had been doing nothing but spinning and knitting. There was a few years ago Watching I participated in this thing called Tour de Fleece. It was a Facebook group thing where um, while the Tour de France was going on, you were a part of these teams and the team who would spin the most yarn by the end of the, by the, end of the race would win. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I remember sitting at my wheel for like, I think there was one day I spent like good at 12 to 13 hours sitting at that wheel and I was just watching TV, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's so easy to just get lost in the sauce like when you're doing it and just completely <laughs> meditate, you know, like away multiple days. <laughs> yeah. Cause your body, your whole body is like we were talking about before, you know, with, with weaving too, it, it's the same with spinning you, especially with your double uh pedal which i i love personally i don't know if it's just because the way it's how i learned or what but i much prefer the double pedal because your whole body definitely your your mind your hands your feet are all working together to to create this this gorgeous piece of of art and yeah yeah i miss it it's it's hard it's gonna it would be hard to go back to a single treadle but it depends on the wheel even the some some of the smaller ones are still double treadle now it's being able to go clockwise and counterclockwise on a on a dime, you know, that's the mm-hmm. idea. I, I, yeah. I mean, you technically can, if you get the right momentum down with the single treadle, but still I see what you're saying. Yeah. I just, I, I personally prefer it with the double. So what well, we've been talking about how you got to have all of your knowledge. What have you done with some of, you know, what have you done with your knowledge since you've started spinning? You mentioned before that doing the, um, doing seminars and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about the like what art yarn has brought to you and what you've say, done with that knowledge? I will say that it has brought a lot of friendships, um, and it brought me a little bit closer to the community because I like to be able to connect with people artistically, you know, um, or in ways that feel inspirational. So when I started spinning, um, I wanted to I wanted people to like look at it, and this was before the days of, you know, Facebook live and, you know, our phones were still pretty cheap and flipping, you know, they, they would flip open. <laughs> so, uh, so I would take my wheel and I would participate in the art walks. So in various small towns that are around the area that I, that I was in at that time. And I would go as uh, far South in Maine, um, as Portland and the other Portland, as people say. 
And um, I would go to the art walks there and I would just plant the wheel and I would set up this little nest of fiber and these and these really neat, neat little vessels and bags and little shelves with all my stuff on it. And it would just be like a quick pop-up thing. And I would just start spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And it was amazing the heads that it would turn and it, it would inspire me too because people would stop and they'd ask all these questions and I just got excited to share that information. Um, so it started from there and then I was participating in... I was participating in um, different fairs, so agricultural fairs up here in Maine. We have the Common Ground Fair, which is remarkable. Um, oh, I used to so incredible. strap my wheel on my back and wear like a tutu frilly dress and like an over-the-top outfit, of course. And oh, I would just always. walk around this fair and then I would plant the wheel down and I would just start spinning. And I sort of just did that and I went to festivals and fairs and, you know, one after another after another. And then eventually I got a job teaching at a little private school and primarily because of the the spinning um I went in there and did a demonstration and the administrator was like would you please just come and teach these children something that they could use and I was like well I can do that um and that's when I also started making paper I like useful crafts I like being able to make things that you can use um uh but yeah I mean I got lucky enough to even yeah I taught at UMF I had a, a class up there for kind of like the all around what to do on a budget kind of spinning yarn, which also included dyeing with a microwave that I set up on like the stage. It was ridiculous. I had a microwave <laughs> on a pedestal on the stage and I was like actively dyeing <laughs> like fibers and like, yeah. like going through the process step by step by step. It was cool. It was really cool. That's so awesome. And you've been cool. in a book too. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Um, I was in a book of one of my fabric yarns, so another way, if you decide to get your spinning wheel, but you don't have the money to buy a lot of fiber to, to mess with and to practice with. Sorry if you guys hear my puppy crying. Yeah. She's, she just woke up from her nap. Um, Little babes. Yeah. Little Winnie. But they, um, oh, I forgot what I was saying. A uh, book with oh, your fabric book. yarn. Yeah. So if you don't uh, have a lot of money to mess around and learn how to really get the hang of your wheel. You can just cut up some old fabric sheets and just spin those bastards. You don't have, you have no idea how beautiful and unique those projects can be when you have like, you can make rugs, rugs or really mm -hmm. cool bags. Like I, I used to make just big bags that I would hold more yarn in with those, with those uh, yeah. yarns to be honest with you. But yeah, I made it into um, Nouveau Fiber Arts um, book. It's just literally called, if you were to Google it, um, how to spin yarn big 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 book with lots of beautiful colorful yarn right on the cover it's like a pink blue purpley green yarn um and she it's just covers... an absolute wealth of information it's it, there's it is so much in there she even even how to build your own little spinning wheel at home using like a bicycle tire and some pvc mm -hmm. pipe which the author of that book says i still have that spinning wheel it's in connecticut somewhere I believe so. Unless unless it unless it had to be gone because it's been quite a minute, quite a few years since I've seen her. We've been chatting a little bit recently and I just got to get down there. You know, but it's just crazy work. It's one thing after another, you know. Um, but I would I miss I miss spinning with people. Oh, this sweet girl. Yeah, she's losing it right now. <laughs> All right. So, I've got um just only a couple more questions for you and so, um, we were talking about, you know, being able to learn online and doing different tutorials like that, but 
are there any classes that people can take? Like, are there art spinning classes that you can do in person? It's a place you could go. So you're going to find a lot more of that stuff online these days. Um, people are opening back up a little post COVID um, because I know that there are a lot of yarn shops. If there's an artist, if there's a spinner around and they want to host the classes, the yarn shop would be more than happy to, to more often than not accommodate the artists and kind of bring in business to get people together. But I would say that online, you probably will have a tremendous amount of luck finding it. Um, it's, it, it does kind of vary on how to find them because sometimes they just post on their personal accounts or they're posting in like, like I said before, those Facebook groups, but Reddit's also a good place that I've been finding, um, people offering their courses and classes. So it is kind of difficult, but if you start the process of researching it, then you're going to find it eventually. So mm. I don't have a solid answer in regards to like where they can go online. Um, apart from the same artists that I've mentioned throughout here. Um, I know that, um, there's, um, a couple artists, there's Jazz Turtle Creations who offers online, um, or Skype le uh, classes, I believe. I do believe that, um, Ashley Martino still offers Skype classes. I could be mistaken, but it's one of those things where it, you just have to search for it and you will see it advertised. Yeah. So once again, just use your resources, <laughs> look yeah. into it. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about art yarn specifically, but that is no, by no means, you know, all of the all and all be all of fiber arts. It goes so much further. So if somebody doesn't necessarily want to like spin themselves or get the wheel or do any of that, but they still want to use art yarn, um, is there, who are the, who would you suggest people go to? Would you say going to like, well, I, obviously the people that you've mentioned already, but like what's the best way to get art yarn? So if you're just going to search off the cuff, um, and if, once again, if you're unable to go into a, a local shop, um, I always recommend going in there because that's how I started. I had yarns, um, put up in my local town, my local town shop for a while. And even if they didn't sell that great, it was a good place to network. And it was also kind of in the beginning of a lot of what I was doing. So it was people were still clinging on to the idea that yarn had to be perfect. And nowadays people are more likely to actually purchase something a little more bizarre, at least as an extra. Um, mm -hmm. but if you can't go into your, your local yarn stores, um, Etsy is a great place to find a wealth of things for sale, but I've kind of been steering away from Etsy over the past few months to a year because of just there's a well, there's a lot of artists actually pulling out from them um just because of I guess poor business practices um but I will say that I mean that's where a lot of people do sell things and you know an artist yeah. is an artist and money is money and you know if they're still willing to sell up on there um I know that there are there's an ethics thing here but that's a great place to at least find an artist. And then through there, you can find their Facebook pages and, or their Instagrams. And you can see if they have stores outside. A lot of people sell things on multiple different sites so that they can bring in a, a heavy amount of traffic, no matter where they go. That's just good business. Um, so I would say Etsy is a great place where you're going to find a tremendous amount of those. Um, the Facebook marketplace, actually, I've been noticing that people are uh, posting a lot more things up there and you're going to find a lot more local artists too. And that's kind of a neat little connection. Um, Instagram as well, just good old fashioned Googling, um, and Craigslist. Mm. 
that's I I wouldn't have thought of Craigslist, but of course, of course. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not. It's it's kind of getting a little weird. I mean, it's always been a little. I, weird. I, it's always been weird. But it has always been weird. It's, I feel like people are just selling trash on there now, or people are just afraid of scammers, so that it's kind of losing its luster. Mm, yeah. Um, so what other other things are a part of the fiber arts world? What other practices? Other practices. So apart from spinning yarn, um, there's you have your you have your crocheting, you have your knitting, you have your weaving, felting, dyeing. Um, Yeah, unless I'm missing yeah. something. I mean, there's there's millions of sub techniques within those categories alone. Like there's it's endless. It's it's endless art. But um, yeah, and you also yeah. I mean apart from, apart from what you can actually do with it, it itself, it, there's also the connection with the farmer. So you know, there's your local farmers. There's taking care of the animals. There's processing the fibers. There's making it you know ethical and making it you know more of a a safer environment for farmers to be able to treat their animals in a, in a, in, in, in better conditions. And also, you know, cause you're paying, if, if you're not buying from a store, you're buying from a local farmer and you're paying them and you're helping yeah. them and you're supporting them. So there's a lot to that. Um, yeah. I mean, specifically, like, what do you mean? Oh, I just didn't know if like, um, a lot of people, uh, especially with felting, that's just, there's so much you can do with felting. You can make wearable things, useful things for fucking wall hangings for Christ's sake. There was a belt you made me. Like there's yeah, just so much, so, so much you needle, can do. There was needle felting and then there was like Nuno felting. So one, and there's a couple, Nuno felting. I'm not sure if that's, that's, that's what it was called when I was learning it, but I'm sure that there's lots of different names for these certain techniques. But needle felting is when you have a little tool, um, in the, like a needle, and it has all these little tiny hooks on it, and you just kind of jam it into the, f- the fiber, and on the opposite side of the fiber, you have this little felt block, and it, you can kind of s- just kind of stitch it together in that manner. Uh, and then there's the Nuno felting, or the wet felting, which is when you take roving, and you take it in like these strips, and you layer them in kind of like a crosshatch way, and then you were to s- you spray it with like a water and an agitator. So like soap and water, and then you kind of get it moist enough that you can just press it down. You roll that bad boy in bubble wrap and you just kind of roll it back and forth and back Mm. and forth. And it creates these thin sheets. Um, and you can design and you just layer and layer and you just keep rolling and then layering fiber and spraying it layering. And you know, you just keep working down layer after layer after layer and you can actually make beautiful images. And so like you can do like scenic, um, I think the belt that I had done for you, I think that was um, needle felting. I think so uh, too, yeah. I haven't done enough of the wet felting. I really, really do like that. That's also another way of how they make hats, you know, like for millinery. When you you, oops, you do this wet felting with all your wool and then you strap it onto a hat block and you, you know what I mean? And you <laughs> kind of yeah. layer it. And I love milliners. That's so awesome. So is there, we've covered a whole bunch of stuff. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about as far as fiber arts goes before we end our episode? I will say that if you have the want in your mind and you can't afford a wheel, don't forget that you can get a drop spindle. And most drop spindles you can still buy from local artists or you can buy from places like Etsy or on uh, an artist's website. Just 
anywhere between $25 and $40, you have this beautiful drop spindle, mostly wood. If you want to, if you want to spin the thicker stuff, just remember it has to be a heavier drop spindle and just start with some, go to, go to the store, spend 20, $30 on some inexpensive fiber and just start practicing. Just do it. It's summertime. Go sit outside, take a drop spindle, some fiber, and just go do it. Less than 60 bucks. You can start something I know that you're going to fall in love with. Yeah, you're never going to be unhappy with the fact that you stress started to learn something new. Yeah, that is, it is such a stress reliever and just, it, ah, yeah, like I said, it, it the, puts you into like a meditative state of mind, especially after you've been doing it for a while. You put on, you know, your favorite show in the background that you don't really pay attention to or music or just sitting outside and listening to, you know, the peepers and the birds and everything. It's just, it's such an incredible way to spend time. And having something like you know tangible afterwards that you've made that then can be used for so many different things. And in my opinion, it's a wonderful conversation starter. <laughs> That's it. Certainly is. And I've watched so many different types of people getting into when you know they've they've come across you spinning either in the street or at a fair or at a festival or things, and people you would not expect to be interested in spinning yarn who sit down and then just make some really incredible things. Like, oh my God, I they're think so it was proud at one of, of themselves. the festivals. Yes, yes, and you should be because it's so cool. It's mm-hmm. making something that, that you didn't know that you could make or didn't even think about. And it's just, yeah, it's really, it's been an awesome addition that you've brought into my life. Oh. <laughs> I appreciate it. Shrek's golly gee. <laughs> so yeah, that was Fiber Arts, guys. If you have any more questions, please, please, please reach out to us um, on either our social media. You can, um, you know, DM us or email us at contagiouscuriositypod at gmail.com. Um, it's Kat and Laney on Twitter. That's K-A-T-A-N-D-L-A-N-E-Y. And um, also on Contagious Curiosity on Instagram. So you guys can come and check out our drinks. You should check out some of the things that Kat has made over the years. Um, I think what is, uh, what's the best way people can see some of your, your art yarn and the things you've created? Um, a lot of it's on my, my personal Instagram. It's kind of like the archive of a lot of fun things over the years. Um, and that would be Cat Galaxy with two X's. K-A-T-G-A-L-A-X-X-Y. Yeah, and we'll definitely post some to our podcast Instagram as well. Um, some of the things that she's made, some of the yarn, some of the creations. So you guys can check them out. Yeah. Because they're fucking awesome and you should check them out. <laughs> they're fucking awesome. If people ever wanted a commission um, done by you, is that something that they'd be able to reach out to you for? Are you um, interested at all in making commissions? In the, future I, in the future, I would be. Um, right now, um, I have to get back into the flow of things um, with my new job. And to finish already some commissions that I have in the works that are desperate to finish. <laughs> so, still worth it if you want a commission. Might as well shoot her a message. But, you know, the time timeline might be, be a little while. So, just, just be, be cautious. <laughs> can, I, can I really quickly read you a text message that my sister just sent to the family group chat? Of course. Because it's, it kills me. So, this is, this is what she said. They're doing the 30th celebration of West Front Market, and my niece took the boys, my nephews, um, took my nephews up there. They have a dunk tank, and my eldest nephew was the first to dunk anybody, and he dunked two people. Are you ready to hear who he, who he dunked? 
Yes. The chief of police and Angus motherfucking king. Stop the US it. Senator. Yeah. He dunked Angus King. <laughs> I guess he was like mid-sentence talking about how he is not personally responsible for raising gas prices in the state of Maine. And for, by the way, if... The fact that he has to explain that, you guys, obviously, you should not be talking about inflation or the price of gas. <laughs> if you if you cannot comprehend the fact that U.S. senators and even our president is not directly responsible for the price of gas, you either need to do more research or shut the fuck up because you clearly don't know what you're talking about. It's maddening. Just saying. I'm just saying. Like, cool your shit. Either learn or shut up because it's, it's infuriating. But... <laughs> It is hilarious that my nephew <laughs> fucking dunked a U.S. senator mid-sentence. Oh, I love it so much. I'm so proud of him. Way to go, buddy. I'm rooting for yes. you. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sure I just pissed a whole bunch of people off talking about gas prices right there and have ruined oh, the whole God, episode. But who cares? We're, I don't it's care. Done. We're done here. We're done. We got to throw the whole thing out. All right, well, if we haven't been hashtag canceled by next week, then <laughs> we'll see. Then, then we got to try harder. <laughs> yeah, we do. It's true. Fuck. Gotta get put in free speech jail. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us, and you, we hope you have an incredible week. Yes, thank you. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Bye.